Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. And I hope that everybody had a good holiday weekend and enjoyed the unofficial start of summer. Uh, Me and my family traveled back to Virginia for the holiday. And as we always do, we traveled at night just because the traffic is so much easier to deal with on Interstate 81. Something interesting that has come about because of COVID that makes traveling at night a little bit more difficult, 24-hour restaurants are few and far between. It used to be in years past, just about every exit that you came to on the interstate had a McDonald's or a Denny's or something that you could stop and get a bite to eat at. There's a Denny's that is almost exactly halfway that is our traditional layover point. Uh, it has a Denny's and it has a Subway in case the kids don't want something for breakfast. A lot of times my daughter will get a sub from Subway. But those have been closed for the better part of a year now. Um, I think at this point it's probably because the Denny's doesn't have enough employees to stay open 24 hours. I can't imagine at this point it being because they're afraid of the virus, but that has become something that we have to deal with on our trips. I think in 400 miles there was two McDonald's that were open 24 hours where there used to be 50 McDonald's and like I say a lot of other sit-down diner type restaurants. I've noticed something else, and this isn't due to the COVID. I've actually been paying attention to this for several years now. Back in the day, if you were driving on the interstate late at night, and when I say back in the day, I mean as recently as 10 years ago, and you drove past a rest area on the interstate, it was empty. There were no cars in the parking lot. There might be one or two truckers pulled over sleeping for the night. But it was a ghost town at a rest area on the interstate at 2 a.m. Now, there have been laws about how long truckers could drive and how many hours they could actually physically be driving their truck each day. But for 50 years of the interstate, the truckers would keep logbooks that they manually would write the times that they were driving into the book. And I'm sure there are a lot of truckers that would abide by the rules set down, but it seems like most of them would just write whatever they felt like writing into that book and they would drive all night long. But now when you go by a rest area, you could not get another truck onto that property. They are lined up all the way down the entrance to the rest area. They're lined up all the way down the exit to the rest area. There'll be 150 trucks in some rest areas when you drive by at 2 a.m. And the reason for this is because with the electronic monitoring that we have now, the companies that employ these truckers can see where they're at, when they're driving, what gear they're in, the RPMs on the engine, they can see everything. So now the truckers are forced to stop at the designated time. I believe it's 10 hours that they can be driving. But the result of this is rest areas used to be kind of creepy places late at night. Now it looks like there's a carnival in town. I mean, it's just wall-to-wall trucks. There's tons and tons of people milling about. And I bet the people that this affects the most are the interstate serial killers. You know, 20 years ago, they would have the rest area all to themselves. It was just this nice, quiet, out-of-the-way, deserted place that they could pull in and just sit back and wait for their victims to come to them. And it has to be almost impossible to kidnap or murder anybody anymore because now you pull into a rest area, there are 300 people staring at you. 
and I couldn't find any statistics to track this type of thing, but I bet if you could see the number of interstate murders takes a big dip right about the time the GPS monitoring systems for commercial vehicles came into use. It's really got to be crimping their style. You know, I bet when they have their convention, all these serial killers sit around and bitch about how easy guys like Ed Gein and Ted Bundy had it. So everybody's struggling nowadays to to pursue their interests and do the things they want to do. And I think we should keep this particular segment of our population in our thoughts and prayers. They've really got it rough right now, guys. All right, But we went in for the holidays. It was a rainy Memorial Day weekend. That's nothing new. I'm used to that. It's springtime. It rains a lot in the spring. The really nice summer weather hasn't set in yet. Uh, growing up, there was a carnival that was always in my hometown on Memorial Day weekend, and it was the only weekend of the entire year where there was really anything to do in this small rural town in the mountains, and it would rain pretty much the whole weekend every year. So I'm used to it being rainy over Memorial Day weekend. Uh, one thing I'm not really used to having to deal with on Memorial Day weekend is needing a coat to go outside. I don't know what the weather was like for the rest of the country um, in Virginia and, of course, in northeast Pennsylvania. It was extremely cold for this time of year, I, almost bizarrely cold. Uh, when we loaded up the car and left on Friday evening, it was in the 40s. And even back down south in, in Virginia, it, I think the warmest it got was 60 degrees. But like I said, in Northeast Pennsylvania, we actually set a couple of records for the coldest Memorial Day weekend ever recorded. Now, the stories that I've seen about this cold snap on the news have all been along the lines of, huh, that's odd. And I keep thinking about if we had had record heat for this weekend, it would have been a national news story. It would have been story after story about just global warming smacking us right in the damn face. But since it was a cold snap, nothing gets said. There has been a lot of research and many studies done on confirmation bias and the way the human brain integrates information based on whether or not we believe it to be true or if we think it's false. But at some point, you would think people would start to consider the fact that if a heat wave is proof of global warming, the inverse property would have to dictate that a cold snap is proof that global warming is not happening. That's never the way this stuff gets thought about by these people. And it drives me insane that these are the same people that are just constantly screaming at you that their side is the more intelligent side. And I love when they break out studies that say, see, this proves, you know, the, the, the progressive mindset that it's a more intelligent way of thinking. Well, well, I tell you what, when you're intelligent and introspective enough to recognize self-aggrandizing bullshit when somebody sticks it under your nose, then we can have a discussion about intelligence. But until that day comes, I don't want to hear how I don't understand the way you do because I am lower on the intelligence scale. The only part of these people's brain that works better than mine does is their ability to cherry-pick facts. Anytime you see a news story talking about either bad floods, a bad drought, uh, record heat, the story always talks on and on about global warming and how this is so unusual and this area has never seen this kind of weather before, except if you read all the way through the article. 
every single time there will be a line near the bottom that says this area has not seen weather like this in 20 years. What? Wait a second. I thought this never happened. You're telling me that this type of weather happened 20 years ago? How is that possible? I thought this was as hot as the planet's ever been. And if you go back and read that article, which thinks to the miracle of the internet is very simple now, you don't have to go down to the library and pull out the microfiche machine and figure out what drawer that particular newspaper was kept in. You can just do a Google search and all this stuff is right at your fingertips. And if you read that article from 20 years ago, down near the bottom somewhere, they'll say, you know, this is the worst flooding this area has seen since 1978. Well, no, wait a second. You mean 40 years ago, this area saw this exact same type of weather that you're claiming is proof of climate change? And if you go back and read that article, you'll find the same thing. Basically, the point I'm trying to make is is that unusual weather does not prove anything. You have unusual weather patterns that crop up every once in a while. And most of the weather patterns are cyclical. Um, When I was a little kid in the late 70s, early 80s, it snowed all winter long. And then in the 90s, we went through a spell where we had very mild winters, not much snow to speak of. And then around 2010, it started to swing back the other direction, and we have seen a lot more snow in the winter. Uh, In fact, the last winter that me and my family spent in Virginia, my children went to school two days in January. It just, I mean, it snowed and it just did not stop. About every night, you'd get four or five inches, six inches. But that's just how the weather patterns work. And when you get a little bit older and you get to be my age, I'm in my mid-40s, you can really start to see that the experts, what they claim is going to happen is tied very much so to what the weather is doing at that moment. Right now, we're having cold, snowy winters. The global mean temperature has not risen in about 17 years which, by the way, the computer models that the eco-warriors put so much stock into said that a pause in global warming was unlikely, a long pause was very improbable, and a pause of more than a decade was not possible. But the average global temperature has remained fairly steady for a very long time now. Uh, The news does not talk about that because that's not the impression they want you to have. But if you go back into the 90s, like I said, it was very mild winters. Everybody was saying global warming was coming. Well, if you go back to when I was a child and it was extremely cold and we had a lot of snow and Jimmy Carter was on TV sitting in front of a fireplace in a cardigan telling America that they needed to get used to it being cold and they're going to have to turn their thermostats down, they were telling us in school that the next ice age was on its way. I think a lot of the problem with the debate right now is you have all these environmentalists that whatever the experts say, they just run with it. Uh, There's no thought given to what was said or what is actually happening. And maybe as these young people get a little bit older, they'll start to see things differently. But the issue with me, a lot of the issue anyway, is that I've been on the planet for 46 years and I have yet to see the experts be correct on any of their predictions. They say something different every 10 days and it never happens. Al Gore said 30 years ago that there would be no more ice at the poles in 10 years. That didn't come true. 
environmentalists were saying that we were never going to see snow again 30 years ago. That didn't come true. And there's all sorts of information out there that should let these people know that they need to back off these crazy predictions because they, well, you would think that they would be worried about looking like fools once these things don't pan out. But of course, that never gets covered. About 10 years ago, there was a gentleman to prove that global warming was real and it was happening at an advanced pace. He was going to sail from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean by way of sailing north of Canada through the Arctic Ocean. I believe that he was out there for about two weeks before he had to abandon his expedition. If you can find any of the articles discussing why he had to call it quits, you will read little euphemistic phrases like the expedition was canceled due to safety concerns. But they never actually say what was going on that forced him to abandon this little project of his. The reason that he abandoned his voyage is because there was so much sea ice that he was in extreme danger of getting caught in an ice flow and having his boat crushed and him either drowning or being stranded on the sea ice with no supplies. These stories did not mention that, and they talked mostly about global warming completely unironically. That's that's the thing. They never say, wow, did this guy prove the exact opposite of what he set out to do? And it's exactly that kind of dishonest reporting that has allowed this debate to go on pointlessly for my entire life. Now, again, I'm not saying that climate change isn't happening. My personal feeling and from the evidence that I have seen, it is a natural phenomenon. It has went on for about four and a half billion years of this planet's existence And I'm simply not narcissistic enough to believe that everything was absolutely perfect the day I was born, and it should never, ever change at all. A big part of the problem is that when you watch the news or you listen to these environmental activists, they were constantly telling you that the environment has never been this bad. It has never been as bad as it is today. And a big part of the problem is that that is simply not true. It's not true at all. The soil is much cleaner than it was 50 years ago. The water is much cleaner than it was 50 years ago. In the 60s, the Cuyahoga River in Cleveland caught fire multiple times. I'm not making that up. The river caught fire. The air is much cleaner than it used to be. Um, When I was a kid, we used to hear about smog alerts in California all the time and some in New York. Do you ever hear about a smog alert anymore? When you see a picture of New York and L.A., you can see the buildings. You can see the skyline. If you saw a picture of L.A. or New York from the 70s, it looks like you smudged something on the camera lens before you took the picture. You really can't see anything of the buildings. It's just this sort of a brown smear on the horizon. And since that's true, since the environment is in better shape than it was 50 years ago, how can we be closer to the brink than we were then? I just want to know how long this is going to be milked. How long until people start to admit, hey, things aren't as bad as we've been telling everybody. We can tap the brakes on the panic porn a little bit. I don't see that happening anytime soon. 
because to an environmental activist, the only thing worse than global warming would be having somebody realize that they are not as intelligent as they believe themselves to be. Alright guys, that is about all I've got for you today. It's a little shorter episode because I was out of town all weekend. Uh, But I will be back with you on Friday. If you enjoyed the show, please leave me a comment at the Fresh Frozen Southerner Facebook page. Or you can leave me an email at freshfrozensoutherner at gmail.com. Alright guys, have a good rest of the week. I will talk to you on Friday. It doesn't feel like it, but summer is here. We can see the end of the road as far as all this cold weather goes. Of course, I say that and I really wasn't expecting it to punch me in the face the way it did this weekend. But surely, surely it can't last much longer at this point. Holy crap. All right, guys, have a good day. I will talk to you soon. Bye.